0: So, I am so glad to be back. So, uh, it's been, I think, almost four years, yeah, since, since last time we, I was here. Last time I brought this really big guy. Uh, this time I, I brought a beautiful lady. So, this is my wife, Brandy. So, uh, hopefully, you'll be here tomorrow. She's going to probably share a little bit with, with you as well. As, as we just share from our hearts and things. And as Inda said, we live now in Krakow, Poland. So we live um, where the Pope's from. So Pope John Paul II, he was from Krakow, so that's fun. Uh, brings a wonderful world of challenges whenever you talk about Jesus. So a lot of people that know him, not a lot of people have met him. So that's kind of that's kind of what we say often. So uh, we, we are there. We're helping pastor. Uh, we're part of a team that pastors a, a Polish church. We're also helping create and develop Uh, An English church, actually, right now, as we have about 100, 120,000 expats that live in our city. So it's a city within the city. So we're really excited. You can be praying for us, so we're just right down the road. Uh, Depending on which airline you're flying, we're right down the road. We found that out. You know, and for me, I love things that are instant, Do you like things that happen instantly? You know, I love that. And so the other day, whenever we we booked our flights, we were planning because we have some meetings we have to get to on Tuesday evenings. And so we booked with the reliable airline of Lufthansa. So great, quick connection. We'd be here very quick in the morning. Brandy had never been to Dublin, so we were going to have a chance to instantly get here until they went on strike. You know, and it's like, huh, thank you. The biggest airline in Europe, and you have to go on strike on the one weekend that I'm actually using you. You've got to be kidding me. I wanted something instant. So instead, we got to instantly spend over five hours in Copenhagen in the wonderful airport. But hey, if you have to be stuck in an airport, that's the airport you want to be stuck in, just for future reference. So instant, you know, that's something that we always want. So Right now in our house, Brandy is very excited because we do not have a microwave anymore. Who, who owns, who uses a microwave? Is that a thing here? Okay, it is a thing. Okay, good. I'm, I'm talking to the right people. See, right before whenever we were at Beltway Park, we, um, we bought this house and we started renovating and we were planning out our kitchen. And so I had this very important question, Brandy, where's the microwave going to go? And she said, there's the dumpster right out back and you can just go throw it in the rubbish bin. And I was like, no, I'm having a microwave because I need my food warmed instantly. She's like, it's not gonna be, I am not gonna be able to see the microwave. That's the rule. So I found, a, I found an outlet and there was a cabinet that was gonna be empty in our kitchen. So I built a plug all the way down into the cabinet and then I hid my microwave down into there because I want something instant so Brandy she loves to read and she'll read and she reads almost every evening I like the idea of reading but I don't always always accomplish those goals so I found this app so I was telling Inda about the other day for a nice low price you can have lifetime access where they condense a book Down into 12 minutes. I'm like, now that's something I can get on board. You can read it or you can listen to it. I'm like, I love you guys. I don't know who you are, but you are definitely born again. You have had revelation from Jesus. You, you're going places. And then I found out last night that it's even on sale. Why? Why? Because we want things instant. You know, a lot of times in our life, we want that. We want this. We want something to happen instantly. And it's the same, you know, it's the same in in our life with Jesus. Whenever we say yes to Jesus, oftentimes what begins to happen to our hearts is there's something that begins to be placed inside of there. Have you ever had that, there's this purpose that begins to arise inside of you as you begin to say yes to Jesus more and more and more. And there's prayers that you begin to pray. Maybe it's for your family. Maybe it's for your job. Maybe it's for how you want your life to be used to impact people for the kingdom. There's prayers that begin to happen. But what I found is that I instantly want those prayers to be answered. I would love it if I had a microwave God. How many of you would like a microwave God? You pray a prayer and it happens. You know, I would love that. You know, that was, that, that seems like that sounds so much more fun. And sometimes when we read the Bible, it seems like that there's actually a microwave God happening, but really they just skipped the waiting time and so you don't always see what happens in between. But let me ask you this question. When's the last time you went to a restaurant and you're like, man, I really hope their microwave's nice back there? <laughs> I can't wait to p- spend 20 euros on this food that's coming out of the oven or coming out of my microwave. How many of you have, how many of you, have you know, I, I can remember we used to watch Gordon Ramsay. Is he a thing here? You know? Almost every restaurant, I can tell you the script, at some point at the beginning, he's going to throw out a microwave out of the kitchen. Why? Because the greatness of the food is developed by a chef. And there's a process that takes place that transforms the food into something that we take delight in and we're willing to invest our hard-earned money into to receive. So if we're okay with spending money on a time and a process with our food, how much more should we embrace the process that God's going to give us and walk us through to to answer the prayers that are inside of our hearts? So let's begin to embrace the time that God has in our waiting between the gap between our prayer and seeing it happen. And one of my favorite stories, it's a popular story if you've seen it in Scripture uh, or if you've been around the church for very long, you've probably ran across the story of Lazarus Don't your neighbor say Lazarus So it's found in John 11. So for the sake of time because I figured we did not want to read 45 scripture verses today I'm going to tell part of the story and then we're just going to jump into different things. And we're going to see what happens whenever whenever God takes a process, whenever Jesus walks into this process to bring glory to Him. Because as Angela was saying earlier and as Inda was saying earlier that our goal, our, the reason we exist is to bring glory to God. And what, what's actually fascinating is whenever our lives begin to point towards His glory, what really begins to happen is our life begins to find fulfillment. And it's an unbelievable thing. The more we give our life the more we feel fulfilled isn't that interesting that that's why the economy of the kingdom is built on generosity not taking did you know that the world says rich is based off of how much you have the kingdom says it's based on how much you can give that's what's it's an upside down kingdom the more you give glory to God the more you are fulfilled in your life isn't that incredible So John 11, I love this story. So it says, you know, it starts off and Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus, the one who he loves, that's how it's described, the one who he loves is sick and he needs his attention. Why? Because at this point in Jesus' life, there's been a history, a track record of God moving in powerful ways. So people know that whenever he shows up, heaven seems to come to earth in that moment. And so there they are. They're asking for him to come and see his good friend Lazarus in Judea. And I love this. We're going to pick up in verse five. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer where he was. So Jesus loved Martha and her sister and he loved Lazarus. So when he heard Lazarus was sick, he does nothing for 2 more days. So when Jesus, so Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard Lazarus was sick, he does nothing for 2 days. How many times do you feel like, God, where are you in this moment? Where are you? What is happening? What is going on? Why aren't you intervening? So it says, it says that he loved them, and he loved them so much. And so what has he done? He sits and he waits for two days. Man, God, I wish you were a microwave. God, why didn't you instantly go, whoosh, I'm going to go? Isn't that incredible? You see, God's love... Is patient. God's, you know, whenever you begin to, love is patient, love is kind. In First John it says God is love. So sometimes we see that as something that we need. But whenever you begin to realize that God is patiently walking you through a process, it's out of his love that he's sitting there waiting where we sang about it earlier this morning where he's actually doing something inside of you and there's something that begins to happen inside of you before the answers to your prayers begin to be fulfilled. Isn't that that interesting? So he loves Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. And he sits and he waits. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, let's go to Judea. So after two days of waiting, after two days, Jesus tells his disciples, hey, let's let's go to Judea. Let's go to the city of Bethany where Lazarus is. And, and, you know, the disciples, they're like, Jesus, let's talk about this for a moment. So last time we were there, they tried to kill us. Do you remember that? You know, death, we we almost died. And it's like, let's go to Judea. No, Jesus, this is where the guys that want to kill us, it's where they are. That means there's a chance we may not be alive after we go to Judea. Do you, do, or do you understand Jesus? He's like, hey, don't worry about it. He says, my friend is sick. Or, or, or excuse me, my friend has fallen asleep. A Lazarus has fallen asleep in verse 11. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he's going to recover. He's going to recover. They're like, hey, Jesus, let, let me just go back. If we go there, we may die. Lazarus, who is sick. He's asleep. Everything's good. Let's just stay here in this moment. But you see, what we actually see in this moment is, I think Jesus was a little sarcastic. I truly believe that. I'm a little bit sarcastic naturally, so I, sometimes when I read the Bible, I see that. And I, I feel like Jesus in that moment was like, guys, he's not asleep. He's dead. Do you not remember in Mark 5, I've already, last time the, last time the little girl was dead was dead what did I say she's asleep you know what seems to be what seems to be happening on the outside in our lives oftentimes there's something underneath that's happening that's so much bigger so whenever we begin to look and whenever we begin to see that Jesus is saying hey let's go because of this what really is happening is there's a maturation process that's happening inside of us to prepare us, and what he's actually trying to get his disciples, I believe, to understand is that the kingdom is an eternal thing that's happening. That's why every time he talks about death, he talks about it being asleep and not that it's a final judgment. He's trying to get his guys to understand that, hey, you have the keys to the kingdom. That means that eternity is the bigger significance of what's happening, and I I feel like he's in that moment. He's just saying, guys, he's not, he's Guys, let me talk about in the present world, in the present now, he really is dead. And so, let's keep going. Now, Jesus has spoken to his death, but they thought he meant he's taken a rest. And then Thomas, I love Thomas. He says, let's all go, in verse 16, that we may die with him. You know, again, look, the Bible is sarcastic. You know, here's Thomas, he's like... Jesus, why are they're gonna kill us if we go there? So let's just go join Lazarus. At least we'll get to be with our friend again. You know, here's what here's what happens. There's dream. Whenever God's purposes begin to put inside of us, there's gonna be there's gonna be obstacles and roadblocks of understanding and roadblocks that we're gonna have to break through. And sometimes it's gonna be elements of faith and stepping out beyond what makes natural sense into a supernatural understanding of who God is. Do you understand that? Does that make sense? That sometimes it's like, oh, oh, God's calling me to do this. It doesn't make sense in my head. But really, really what he's saying is, hey, I want you to move past your head and into what, what, what he's saying within your spirit. And there's a movement that begins to happen inside of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's go to Judea. So he arrives in Bethany. He gets there. So, and they find out, you know, he's been there before. He's friends. So you read about it. I believe it's in Luke chapter 10. You read it that he, he was there already recently. So once Martha, Lazarus' sister, he, she hears that Jesus comes. She hears that he's right there. And so he, she goes out to him. She goes out and she, she asks him, she's like, Lord, where have you been? If you would have came just a little bit earlier, my brother would still be alive. See, she understood who Jesus was. She understood the power that he had. But listen to her, listen to her statements. She said, but even now, verse 22, whatever you ask God, I know God will give you. There was something inside of Martha. See, this is the same Martha that sometimes in the church today, she gets a bad reputation because in Luke 10, you hear the story of Martha and Mary, and it says that Martha's going about the house, serving and creating. You know, she's getting food. Jesus and his disciples are there, and he's sending their teaching to a group of people, and she's, like, making the food. She's making the coffee. she's She's creating the atmosphere for people to encounter God. And she's like, Jesus, I need Mary, my sister, to help. But you see, in that moment, she had missed what Mary understood in that Jesus was what was truly mattering. Jesus what was truly mattering. But here's the thing. It would have been a horrible meeting if Martha wouldn't have been there making the coffee. Without Martha, there was no atmosphere for Jesus to minister. There was no atmosphere, there was no environment without Martha for people to encounter the living God. So whenever she's sitting here, she has this gift of faith. And what begins to happen, and you see this later, is that Martha's perspective changes. And she realizes that her serving should be centered around Jesus. And the atmosphere should be centered around the person of Jesus. And not all the good tasks that, make, that she thinks may make Jesus happy. How many of you know sometimes our tasks get so overwhelming that we don't remember that Jesus is the one that needs to be in the center. Has anyone felt that before? Has anyone lived that before? And they can be good things. It can be a job. It can be something, uh, something really good. But whenever Jesus gets out of whack, as you see in Luke 10, whenever Jesus is not in the center, it becomes a distraction. So you see here, Martha has the right priorities. She has the right understanding. She says, I know you would have saved my brother, but even now, whatever you say... God will give you. So Jesus says here in verse 23, your brother will rise again. And Martha says, you know, Martha's good, good Christian girl. She knew that one day there was the resurrection. I know that he will rise again in the re- resurrection one day. You know, you guys are reading through Revelation, so you'll, you'll get to read through that. Man, that's, a, I commend you for reading through Revelation. I'm just going to say that. So don't write a book on it because you're going to be wrong. So... But so here's Martha in that moment, and she's, you know, she says, Oh, someday, I know that, Jesus. Someday. Someday it's going to be better. You know, someday. What does Jesus say? And this is, this is where things begin to get good. On the last day in the resurrection, I know he'll rise again. Verse 25, Jesus says, he looks to her and he says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Whoever believes in me, though he died, he shall live do you believe, Martha? Do you believe? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ. I believe that you are the sent one, the son of God who's coming to the world. You see, what began to happen in Martha? Martha was an atmosphere setter. She did it in her home earlier, and now she's beginning to do it now. She had a belief in who Jesus was. Whenever he said that, The someday is now today she had belief, and all of a sudden faith began to rise inside of her. An an understanding of faith that what I think someday can happen can actually happen today. The some days and the prayers of some days, the prayers of tomorrow, sometimes are easier to pray than for the prayers of today. But it takes a moment of expectation inside of us for us to begin to move to this place where we believe that, hey, someday could be today. You know what my prayer is in my city? My prayer is that, that it can be completely transformed. 1.7 million people. We're, we're a church of about 150 people. How can that happen? I don't know. But if I pray, oh, someday it'll happen, and I don't pray for it to happen today, then why would Jesus show up? Why would he show up? Because we're not ready. But whenever our someday begins to become a today, it's creating an expectation for God to move. It's creating an expectation for our dreams and our prayers to be fulfilled now instead of, all someday. A someday prayer is sometimes very easy. Why? Because it's no responsibility. A today prayer, that's creating expectation for God to move. Now, sometimes our today prayers, Jesus is still waiting where he was, and it's day one, or it's day two. You know, then there was a journey. They didn't have, they didn't have Wexford bus get you to Dublin in two hours, you know. They, they had Birkenstocks, you know. So who knows how long it actually took him to show up. But when our someday becomes today it's creating the expectation it's creating faith inside of us and when that begins to happen it's an environment it's an atmosphere for god to do something what is faith hebrews 11 it's the evidence of things hoped for of things not yet seen so i've been i've been doing some study actually on pregnancies in the bibles and there's six impossible pregnancies that occur That are so significant that they transform the course of history. You can look at Sarah. You look at Rebecca. You look at Rachel. All of them impossibly to get pregnant. But they all get pregnant and through them. Nations are changed. Nations are blessed. Why? Because there's an expectation. What is pregnancy? There was evidence all of a sudden. Of the life that was going to happen. The life of promise. The life of hope. That's what faith is. It's showing with expectation that what God's going to do, you show it before it even happens. And that's where, that's where the challenge is. That's where the challenge in the Christian walk, maybe the greatest challenge we have as followers of Jesus is the gap between our someday and our today and having to live every day in our today. Because it's easy to pray the someday prayer. Oh, someday I'm expecting revival. Someday I'm expecting a move of God. Someday I'm expecting my family to come to know Him. Someday I'm expecting that job that's going to put me in a place of influence for His kingdom. Someday. Someday. It's easy to pray that prayer. God, I'm expecting you to do that today. That's a harder prayer to pray. And then we leave it up to him for the timing. But all our job is, is to have faith. And to expect him to show up just like Martha did. Do you believe? I know you are who you say you are, God. We sang about this morning. I know that you are the Christ. I know that's who you are. And it's in that moment that the someday of resurrection became Martha's reality for a today. Do we, do we walk in that type of faith as people? That our someday can be a today. Let's move on. So at this point, Martha goes back and she finds her sister Mary. Now Mary, she's, uh, she's a little bit of a dramatic one. So Mary hasn't even come out because she's, she's so at loss with, La, with Lazarus being dead. And rightfully so, because if, if you read about the story of Mary, you know that she, is, she, broke, she broke open expensive perfume and anointed Jesus. And that usually that signified that perfume was probably what was going to be used to give her away as a bride from her family to the, to the groom's family. So what she was doing at that moment was she was saying that, I love you so much, Jesus that I'm willing to give in my culture what's valued as the highest value that I have as a woman. I'm willing to lavishly pour that out on you. So for her, it was a big deal because Lazarus was her benefactor. Lazarus was the one that was going to take care of her. Lazarus was the one whose house she was going to live under because she had such a love and devotion for, for Jesus. And so she shows up. Now, Martha walks up with faith. Mary walks up with zero faith. She says, Lord, if you've been here, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have died. And she's just completely lost. And it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And it's in that moment we get the shortest scripture in all the Bible. And it says, Jesus wept. Why? What was it about Mary that provoked a movement inside of the heart of the Son of God? What was it about Mary that that challenged him where he began, where he felt and understood her emotions and the pain and the suffering that she was going through? What was that moment that was happening? It was because he understood the love and the devotion that Mary had to him. You know, if you go back through Scripture, you, you, you read the story in Luke 10, you see that Mary, she went against all cultural norms to be, at, to be in the presence of Jesus. She fought back all, all of the normal things of what was supposed to happen to be in the presence of Jesus. Jesus understood that her commitment to him and the love she had for him, it moved him. So that what she felt, he felt. Isn't that incredible? And you see in these two sisters, the faith and the rising of expectation within Martha. And you see the love and devotion of Mary. And all of a sudden, at that moment, Jesus stands up and he says, roll away the stone. Why? Because there's an atmosphere of faith. There was a people that were loved and devoted to him. And sometimes our process, that's what God's trying to build inside of us, is He's trying to build the expectation of faith, and He's trying to build and create in us such a need and desire for Him that we'll give our very best, the thing we value the most, we'll pour it lavishly upon Him. Because the dreams and the purposes and the prayers that you haven't seen fulfilled in your life, I promise you, they're just the beginning. There's more that He wants to give you. There's more that He wants to place inside of you to see, to pray for in expectation. There's more He wants to place inside of you. And he, there's more He wants to bless you with. To see His glory fulfilled on earth. But to do that, we have to expect that to happen but we have to have the love and devotion that requires the maturation to handle God's blessing. Did you th- have you ever thought about this, that maybe God is being good by not answering your prayers yet, to protect you from those answered prayers? Have you thought about that before? That maybe God is protecting you. It's like God, I want to, I want to. I want to own my own business. I want to use my gifts and, and uh, talents to own my own business so that I can, I can fund your ministry and fund your kingdom around the world and that, that through, through my business, the world can be changed. But what happens if there, maybe there's something going on inside of your heart where there's, there's a wrestle between the economy of the world and the economy of generosity, which is the kingdom? And maybe it's that maturation that's taking place inside of you that's preparing you for Greatness. Love and devotion, and Jesus shows up, and he says, "Roll away the stone." You see this? I think it's verse forty-two. Roll away the stone. You know, Martha. You know, Martha still can't help herself. You know, she's a servant, so she's super tidy. You know, she's super clean. she's, she's like, "Hey, Jesus, he's been dead for a while. It's gonna smell really bad." You know, I mean, she, you know, she's, she was the one creating the atmosphere in her, in her home. So she probably, her home probably smelt nice. Her home probably was, you know, well-kept. You know, it was, it was one of those, you know, she was probably a Pinterest-type lady. You know, have you ever been over to someone's place and it's like, you live in the Pinterest world, there's no way I could ever do this. You know, that was probably Martha. She's like, Jesus, this is going to smell bad. He's like, hey, do you believe It's like, oh, yeah, 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 I do believe. You know, that's encouraging to me because even in this moment, Jesus says, you know, Jesus reminds Martha of, hey, now today's the day. You know, sometimes we need a reminder in our lives. Sometimes we need an encouragement in our lives to remember that, hey, our someday can't be today. And he rolls away the stone. And in a loud voice, you know, he prays this prayer. I love this prayer. He said, I'm only praying this prayer so that people will know that you've given me the authority to do this. I'm praying this prayer so that people can see what you are about to do, so that you can be glorified. And then in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out then Lazarus. Can you picture this scene? I mean, there had to have been a crowd. You know, Lazarus was in a smaller village, and so probably everyone knew him. You know, the stone is, I mean, it's, it's a scene at this point, point. and Lazarus comes out, and he's still bound in the, in the burial garb that would have been placed around him, and the, the different cloths that are layered in to, to help the mummification process. He's still bound in those things, and he comes out. Like, can you imagine that moment? Like, that's what the mummy's loosely based off of, I think. Oh, yeah. You know, here comes Lazarus showing up. You know, I mean, you know, we see, you know, you see, I don't know if you've ever seen the storybook pictures that you use it with, with kids. You know, it's like a nice little picture of like, you know, a guy wrapped in toilet paper. That's probably not what was going on. You know, the guy had been dead for four days. So that stuff was nasty. And here he comes showing up. You know, he's walking out. And Jesus says, now someone go and get rid of all that death. Go and get and unbind that inside of us. Sitting in the caves of our hearts. Our prayers that we are too afraid to pray anymore. Bound in the struggles of life. The aches of, of brokenness. Maybe the aches of unmet, unfulfilled expectations our dreams, our purposes that God has placed in us for His glory. There are prayers inside of each one of you, I know it, that you're probably too afraid to pray for anymore. There's purposes inside of you where you just begin to light up when you think about that. That's the challenge for us as believers that's a challenge for us as to advance his kingdom to bring glory to him. So will we roll away the stone? Will we will we release and will we get rid of the death where we thought our dreams have gone to die. Our hopes have gone to die. Will we unwrap that? So that his kingdom can come through our lives. So that his will can be done. So that the purposes of seeing his name made great, that we can be the agent that makes his name great. That we can be the vessel that magnifies him. That we can be the vessel that creates an atmosphere for people to encounter the living God. When you begin to pray a someday prayer, and you make it today when you begin to walk in a life completely committed to Jesus that's not a sunday morning experience you have to understand that you see whenever mary took that act and she broke that she broke that perfume what she was saying is now for the rest of my life i will think about this moment when i said yes to you jesus it's going to affect my family It's going to affect my job. It's going to affect where I live. It's going to do all of these things. Why? Because there's nothing more fulfilling than giving everything to Jesus. And that's a daily commitment. When we begin to pray prayers of expectation for it to happen now. When we begin to open our eyes to see what, what it means to really pursue Jesus. Not, on a, not just Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. There's a, there's a maturing that begins to happen inside of us. There's a process that, that begins to work and develop inside of us. So that we can see the dreams and the prayers inside of us become fulfilled because we serve a good god and he wants good things for you and he wants to see good things happen through you and sometimes whenever we walk through the process and embrace the time we learn that there are better things than we could ever dream you know for me personally i can remember i spent five years at beltway park as the missions pastor and during that time uh, one of the strongest gifts I have naturally is, is teaching. But during that time, I, I actually taught very little. And I can remember making a decision. Do I need to go and ask, or do I need to just sit and learn from great teachers? You had Jeffrey Turner here last week, good friend of mine, you know David McQueen. It's incredible speakers. And so I remember the Lord saying, take this time to enjoy the process of watching others. Because one day you'll be in a place where you'll be be asked to do more. And so for me, what began to happen is I began to understand that there was a process God was taking me through of humbling me to prepare me for what he has in the future. And what I began to discover is that there was a love I began to have for him. And a devotion that grew deeper and deeper. And what's interesting is each one of you can probably say the same thing. Each one of you can say the same thing. That the prayers inside, the purposes, you haven't seen them happen yet. But you're on this journey. And what I want to encourage you today is will you take and continue to to walk in that journey? How do you do that? Last two things and I'll close. The first thing, what's your language like? not are you saying you know nice words not nice words that's a different conversation for another day but how's your language is it built on what you don't have or what you haven't seen or is it built around the expectation of what god's going to do you know oh i just can't get i just can't get the job i want you know i'm still looking for mr right miss you know Miss Wonderful. There's just no one out there. You know? My family, I keep trying to tell them about Jesus, but they don't care. It's like, they're, it's like talking to a wall. I might as well go over here and talk to this wall. I may get a better response because at least I get an echo from my voice. You know, what's your language like? Is it built on someday? Or is it built around today? Does that mean it's going to happen instant? No. But if we don't expect God to move, I want God to, I want, I want to expect God to move on purpose. Not him move on accident in my life. And our language dictates that. If there's not a language full of faith and expectation, and God does something great, that's a, that's God that's moving on accident because he's God. I mean, it's not a God on accident, but in our lives, it is an accident. But whenever we begin to expect him with our language, how we talk, that's not to deny the problems of the world. That's not to deny the issues we have in our life. But it's to say that our God is bigger, our God is greater, and our God has a bigger purpose. And the realities I find in his word are greater than the realities that I see in my present life. Let's build expectation. Then the the other last thing is do you love him? You know, that's the prayer, that's the question Jesus asked Peter after the resurrection. Do you love me? See what does that what does that mean? You know, well, you can read about in the Bible. Love is patient, love is kind, love is... And what you begin to understand is that the only way for love to really happen in you is you need him. You need him. So is every area of your life around the center of Jesus? You know, like Martha, is the atmosphere you're creating for your life, is it focused on all your little things and Jesus is a part of that? Or has it been reshifted shifted to where Jesus is in the very middle of everything? So if you're at work, Jesus is in the center. If you're with your family, Jesus is still in the center. If you're going to the movies, Jesus is still in the center. If you're with friends, Jesus is still in the center. You know, if you're, if you're in a relationship with someone, Jesus is still in the center. Do you love him? Let's have expectation for God to move. Let's be like Martha and Mary. Full of faith. Full of love and devotion. That allows and lets us embrace the time God's given us. So that our someday can become a today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for this group, Father. And Lord, I pray, Father God, right now that Lord, I ask that you would move away some stones. Lord, there's some prayers inside that that I think people have put a stone over because they thought that just can't happen anymore. It was a foolish prayer or it was a prayer that was great yesteryear, but now it just can't happen. Lord, I pray that you would roll away those stones. Lord, I pray that you would begin to move the cloth of death in people's hearts. Lord, the cloth of, of where, where dreams have gone to die, that, that you begin to remove the cloth of life, the, remove the cloth of frustrations, of brokenness, of, of, of unmet expectations, of, of uh, relationships that have gone wrong, of, of jobs that didn't work out like they thought, of a family that turned their backs on each other. Lord, I pray that you begin to m- remove those cloths so that we can see a life Come back into us. When Lazarus rose, everyone that was saw him remembered the greatness of God. Lord, let us be like that. That people, when they see us, they will be reminded of the greatness of the God we serve. In Jesus' name. Amen.